Today in Security from Wired. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three row all electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.comslash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and/or driving conditions. Always drive safely. First, the bad news: SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. The Facebook privacy setting that doesn't do anything at all. By Brian Barrett. Wrangling your Facebook privacy settings, fine-tuning what data friends, advertisers, and apps can access, is a slog. The menus are labyrinthine, the wording obtuse, and it turns out that one of them is completely pointless. In fact, it hasn't worked in years. To be clear, this is not a case of Facebook sneaking one past you—at least, not the way you might think. These settings no longer work because Facebook no longer allows the kind of data harvesting they control. In fact, these checks address the very data oversharing that let quiz developer Alexander Kogan turn 270,000 installs into a menagerie of 50 million users, which he then illicitly passed along to political data firm Cambridge Analytica. But the fact that Facebook never bothered to update that critical corner of its privacy settings years after those changes went into effect is downright baffling, and speaks to a general lack of seriousness in the company's attitude toward data transparency. The setting in question is "Apps Others Use," which you can find by signing onto Facebook, clicking the downward arrow in the upper right corner, then Settings, then Apps. See, labyrinth. Click edit, and Facebook greets you with a list of informational categories about yourself. That a not so helpful description reads: Your Facebook friends can bring with them when they use apps, games, and websites. In truth, your friends weren't bringing your information with them so much as developers were springboarding off of them to get to you. The data categories include your birthday, your activities, if you're online, and posts on your timeline. The checkboxes number 13 in all, with an additional three: friend list, gender, and the very broad info you've made public that you can't opt out of. This is precisely how Facebook used to work. If you downloaded an app, you granted the developer of that app access to scads of information about all of your friends. Presumably, unbeknownst to either of you, unless you happen to be a close reader of buried preference menus, it's not though how Facebook has worked since 2014, when it shut off that spigot. Developers haven't been able to raid someone's friend list in years, unless both friends have downloaded the same app, despite what that particular setting would have you believe. 
These controls were built before we made significant changes on how developers build apps on Facebook, says a Facebook spokesperson. At the time, the apps others use functionality allowed people to control what information could be shared to developers. We changed our systems years ago so that people could not share friends' information with developers unless each friend also had explicitly granted permission to the developer. That's not just spin. The timing of the changes was confirmed by two researchers who've spent the last several years studying Facebook privacy. Using the Graph API Explorer, which details what Facebook developers could and could not do on the platform through its various iterations, they determined that the kind of permissions apps others use covers have not been available since at least Graph API version 2.5, which was released in October of 2015. It also may have been even earlier. That's just as far back as the Graph API Explorer goes. I can't really make any sense of it, actually, says one of the researchers, who added that the data categories in the settings pane line up essentially one for one with a permission called friends underscore XXX, which allowed developers to harvest friend data, and which Facebook says was phased out with the advent of Graph API version 2.0 in 2014. Even if I do a thought experiment and try to imagine myself into their place, it's maybe just an error in the software development process, but it's a long-existing one. Facebook fails to offer a satisfactory explanation either, although the company does say it plans to introduce improvements to settings to reflect current practices within weeks. But it's taken years and the largest scandal in the company's 14-year history to even identify the problem in the first place. And it's that negligence, rather than the specific settings, that concerns privacy advocates. In general, it makes people think, why should I grapple with these privacy settings anyway? I can't know what actually is going on, says Joseph Jerome, policy counsel at the Center for Democracy and Technology. But Jerome also strikes a sympathetic tone. Facebook isn't the only company to contend with this issue, he notes, and the act of making an effective privacy dashboard in the first place is challenging for anyone. Still, Facebook is a multi-billion dollar company with certain obligations, no matter how tricky to fulfill. Individuals are always going to be at information disadvantage when it comes to understanding their privacy and how Facebook uses data, Jerome says. The onus is on Facebook to better design their UI UX to convey information to individuals. The apps others use confusion also underscores just how little benefit of the doubt Facebook has earned. In 2011, the company had to sign a consent decree with the Federal Trade Commission over its deceptive privacy practices, as it had regularly opted users into giving away more data without their explicit consent. In 2014, it tested whether it could manipulate the emotions of users through changes to newsfeed. In 2016, it changed encrypted chat app WhatsApp's terms of service to allow Facebook to harvest the phone numbers and various analytics of users with accounts on both services. And just a few months ago, it automatically applied a five-year-old face recognition preference to a suite of new uses for the feature. The two researchers I mentioned earlier point also to less publicized forms of overreach. A permission called read underscore mailbox, if granted to an app, potentially allowed a developer to read private messages between friends, even if only one of them had installed it. 
That was only deprecated in Graph API 2.4, introduced more than a year after Graph API version 2.0, which Facebook had identified as the solution to its developer-related data woes. One of the researchers says that incident offers a stark contrast to the way Facebook responded to the user underscore friends debacle. You have to be friends, install the same app, and give the user underscore friends permission in order for your data to show up at his side. I think that's good enough, the researcher said of the protections Facebook put in place in 2014. The read underscore mailbox thing, that was not good enough. The pair note also that even today, Facebook's data policy has holes. A developer with multiple apps, they say, could gather a different specific set of data about a user from each. If that person installs three or four apps, the company suddenly has assembled close to a full profile without the user granting those sweeping permissions to any single app. Still, the good news in all of this? You can safely ignore apps others use. It doesn't do anything. Facebook really did address that issue. The bad news? It didn't bother to let you know. A slip that's hard to imagine from a company that truly valued giving you complete control over your data. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. 